we're putting God first and believing that he's going to help us accomplish our impossible goals. I'm Melody Bateman. I'm a running coach, and I believe in letting the real you out. I'm Tracy Robbins King, and I'm a creation coach. I am enthusiastic about helping people make incremental progress. And we're three peas in pod as we're entrepreneurs, runners, and podcasters. So there's going to be a lot of nerding out. Episodes drop Monday. Woo woo. Hello, fellow 52 Weekers. I mean, Melody and Steph. It's so great to have you. We are so excited for this week's episode of 52 Weeks. I am Tracy Robbins King, and of course, I am going to start off this uh, today's call by asking you guys about something that you've been doing this year that's been working. So something that you've been doing that's either a habit um, that you feel like has been working and that you've been able to stay consistent at for the most part for the 2022, for 2022. So. I haven't given you any time to think about this except right now. So do you guys, who wants to start? I I can. I feel like tracking um, has been the thing that I've been most consistent at. Even when I am tracking nothing, I'm still tracking. So I think that that's good to have data. I mean, I would feel like, I feel like um, the past couple of weeks, I haven't been as good at it. But overall, I would give myself, that's my most consistent thing. And why do you recommend tracking to others? Um, Well, for me, I like to see that I checked everything off in the day. So it's sort of a way for me to um, find motivation if I'm lacking it. Um, But also, it reminds me of what I want to do. And like the weeks that I don't put my goal in my tracker, I forget because I'm not seeing it daily. So. Sure. I think we just remember how forgetful we can be (laughs) if we don't write things down and have them visual or somewhere where we can actually count to them. Then how do we remember them? I can't even remember what I ate for dinner last night. So (laughs) that's something to remember. I mean, just to recognize about the natural man, natural woman inside of us. So. Melody, what about you? Um, first of all, I admire your tracking stuff. I think it's awesome. Um, the, I think the main things I've been consistent at um, have been prayer journaling. That's been like my biggest takeaway with this whole thing. That has been such a life changer. Um, I also want to say, I'm trying to figure out how to word this exactly, but um Anxiety has been a big theme this year, just learning to become aware of it, learning how to manage it. And I haven't been great at it, but I think I have consistently been aware of that and had that on my mind. And I've been making a lot of progress there. So, yeah, I feel like there's been some. I remember, I don't know how many weeks ago that was that you got on and you had you'd been running and you'd been feeling sit like uneasy. And then you stopped in the middle of your run and were like, okay anxiety what are you trying to protect me from right now and that just completely like you were able to address it and it was able to like move on from it so yeah yeah and I, I've I've been having a lot more experiences like that and uh, yeah so I think that's been really good this year too yeah and will you walk us through what it is like your process for prayer journaling like when you prayer journal what does that look like for you yeah so 
So for me, I've always had a hard time praying in my head. When I was younger, I would pray out loud and that would help. And not only would I pray out loud, but I would pace my room or I would kneel on my knees and I'd rock back and forth and talk out loud. Um, sitting down, holding still and praying in my head is really hard for me. So uh, when I got married, I, I want to say I couldn't pray out loud anymore. I mean, I can, but it's harder because I'm like, oh, what if Jacob hears? And it's not like um, I'm like saying anything I don't necessarily want him to hear. But it's like when you're pouring your heart out to God, it's just it's easier when you're alone. And right. And and I tried different things. I tried going into different rooms and closing the door using a fan, but I just couldn't completely relax and open up and talk to God because I just didn't feel completely alone because Jacob's always in the house. So um, I basically have been saying my prayers in my journal. So what I do is I kneel down and I say a quick prayer. I do the best I can to pray in my head and, and say important things. And then afterwards, uh, I open up my journal and I write down questions. I, I mean, I basically just write in my journal like I'm saying a prayer, like, Heavenly Father, please bless you know, thank you for this and this. And then these are my questions. And, and when I write a question, I, I just wait a second and I, I listen for an answer. And when I hear an answer, I write it down. Then I write another question. And when I hear an answer, I write it down. And I just have used that as a way to get the prayer out of my head. And I feel like I, I remember when I write things down and I've mentioned this a few times too. I just love having like, the words from God on a page. I just love that I can open up that journal and see things that God has told me. I like that it's become visual. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love how you talked about you're like, I can feel like the light emanating from the journal that you said a couple weeks ago. I, I really can. It's like, you know, when you pick up the Book of Mormon and you just feel like the spirit, it's, it's not quite... <laughs> Why? I'm not saying that my journal is like equivalent to the Book of Mormon, but I don't know. I mean, it kind of is. It's kind of my personal Book of Mormon, you know, there's personal revelation in there. And I just, I just noticed that like, it's a sacred journal now. Like when I hold it, I can just feel, feel that spirit. So a couple weeks ago, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before I got on a call for Elizabeth Pinborough's book of poetry called The Brain's Lectionary. She was having a book launch, a virtual book, book, a virtual book launch. And on that, she specifically stated, we all have the capacity to create our own scripture, to write our own scripture. And in, the, in a way, I'm like, that's your own scripture. That's your own revelation from God that you've recorded and captured. So it is your own holy book. And that is a really powerful concept. So I like that. Anyway, um, all right. So you guys, is there, so I, to answer that question regarding like the one thing for myself, I, I'm laughing. I'm like, what is the one thing? Um, but I, I think that my, my one thing has been, I think it's been that I've actually been consistently reading the Old Testament for the most part. I haven't been super perfect at it, but I've been reading the Old Testament and that was one of my goals. And I think that that has reminded me of the importance of the Book of Mormon. So the Old Testament has strengthened my testimony of the Book of Mormon because I can really see how the Book of Mormon 
brings the spirit a lot easier into my life than the Old Testament does, but that the Old Testament has some incredible stories that I just didn't even know existed. And so it's been really good for me. And there's so many women in the Old Testament, and I love that there's so many women in the Old Testament. So that's one of the things that I've been learning is that God can teach me through the Old Testament, but it seems like it's easier through the Book of Mormon. So I think that that's kind of interesting that my testimony has been strengthened of the Book of Mormon while I've been reading the Old Testament. So they definitely, um, I think, go better together <laughs> or the process is more edifying if they go together. Because sometimes I'll read a story in the Book of, in the Old Testament and be really upset about it. And then I'll go to the Book of Mormon and I can like calm down after reading the Old Testament. <laughs> So it's a good thing. Anyway, so that's my um, my thing. I knew you were, I honestly thought, um, Melody, that you were going to say prayer journaling. That was what I predicted you would say. And then for Steph, I actually, I don't know if I thought it was going to be tracking, um, but maybe I thought it was going to be something with automation. So it's like, I do. Yeah, I, I think that too, getting automated. Like my, it's annoying too because if I'm wanting to sleep in, my light, my lamps automatically turn on, and then like the music automatically turns on because I forget to turn it off because I'm not setting an alarm every day. So I think it just keeps you going. Yeah, like even when you're not ready, it's still there. It's yeah. coming. To life. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So I think also just today we were gonna talk about. So this past week, I think it was actually a really tricky challenge, but I invited both Melody and Steph and myself to do something that came from this book called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. And she she talks about something called shifting versus supporting the conversation. And the whole idea is that you just become aware of when you are shifting the conversation to yourself versus supporting the conversation. And so, for example, um, if, if Steph tells me something like, my dog got out last week, which she doesn't have a dog, so this isn't true, and it took three days to find him, then I would say something like, oh no, where did you finally find him, right? That would be the response. But if it was a shifting response, it would be like, our dog is always digging under the fence, so we can't let him out unless he's on a leash, right? Like that's, that's a shift response. So this is taken from page 137, chapter 12, supporting not shifting the conversation. And I think she really, so she talks about how, and I, I'm gonna use this just so you guys, I'm gonna read this part from the book. It says, in the memoirs of American socialite, Jenny Jerome, otherwise known as Lady Randolph Churchill, Winston Churchill's mother, she described dining separately with arch rival um, British politicians, Benjamin Disraeli and William Gladstone. When I left the dining room after sitting next to Gladstone, I thought he was the cleverest man in England. But when I sat next to Disraeli, I left feeling like I was the cleverest woman. And I love that story. I love that quote simply because it shows about, and she, and basically the author says that Disraeli was a genius, was basically a genius at shifting the, at not shifting, but at supporting the person in their conversation. And that Gladstone was better at shifting. So he was very entertaining, he was so clever, all these things, but what made her preference Disraeli was that he was a brilliant supporter and made her feel like she was a genius. So I just think that's a really fun concept. And I think it's also 
Um, anyway, so this is what we were going to focus on this week is like one, just noticing when we support versus when we shift the conversation in our lives. And so I have some reflections. Does any, who wants to go first? Does anyone have any thoughts on this? I could go. I, I definitely have thoughts. Um, it was very difficult. Also observation. I thought it was funny how none of us got in Marco Polo this week. Um, when we're talking about supporters versus shifters, I think of the ultimate example of supporters in my life, which are my uh, grandma and grandpa Collister. They're just the kind of people that everybody wants to be around them. And they just make you feel like you're the most special loved person in the world. And they don't talk a lot about themselves. I always try to like turn the, conversation around on them. They're always like, you know, how are you doing? How's school? How's this? They remember everything, right? Um, how was your race? How was, you know, and, and I'm like, well, how about you guys? How are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, no, we're good. Anyway, so tell us more about your race, you know? And, and sometimes I'm like, no, I really want to hear how you guys are doing, but they just really are so genuinely interested in you. And um, they really make you feel so loved. And I actually, we have a picture of my grandma and grandpa Collister taped on our front door. It's like a little picture to remind us that when people come into our home, we want to make them feel like how grandma and grandpa go to their home. So it's kind of our little reminder. Um, It was really hard. Um, Something that I was, Steph and I talked about a little bit over Marco Polo when we were talking about running and we got talking about it. And one thing that I was doing is, I still feel like it's important to talk about yourself. I feel like that is still important. So, so what I practiced is supporting the conversation all the way until the end of what they wanted to say, if that makes sense. So I kept asking questions and asking questions and asking questions, even though I had things I wanted to say in my mind. Um, But I just kept going with the conversation until that conversation kind of died out. And I could tell they've said everything that they want to say. And then you know, maybe they ask a question, how about you? Or, or maybe I throw in some of my thoughts at the very end. And I just feel like that's more natural. I do feel like it can be uncomfortable if you never talk about yourself. You're like, yeah, I'm fine. Anyways, tell me more about you. Because people do, I mean, that's that's how people get to know you. People do want to get to know you. They, they want to hear about how you're doing too. Um, sometimes it's a little bit awkward if they tell you all this stuff, but then you're not willing to tell them stuff back. Right. So that was, yeah. that was something that I thought about. Um, Cause I, I did try a few conversations where I didn't say anything about myself. And I was like, that just felt unnatural and kind of uncomfortable and even kind of rude. So um, anyways, those are my thoughts and I want to keep practicing being a supporter, but it, it was really hard. It was really hard. There were so many things like, oh, I, I want to say this. I want to jump in. I think kind of learning something that I really like to do is to like relate to people. Like they, they tell me an experience and then I want to share an experience that I had that was similar. So I can kind of say like, so I can have empathy, like see, like I've been there too, or I, you know, I, I totally get it. I feel like that's something that I do a lot. And I think I just, I was just trying to be aware this week of like when that was appropriate and when maybe it wasn't. Um, I don't know. 
just kind of interesting. But I, I liked being aware of like, where am I going in this conversation? How much am I talking about myself? How can I make them feel more supported? So anyways, those are some of my thoughts. Awesome. Steph, do you want to share yours? Yeah, I didn't do as good at remembering it because I didn't put it in my tracker, but Melody reminded me and I was like, oh yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I had a friend send me a really long Marco Polo. I listened to it and I actually thought that I did a good response. I even deleted my previous response because I was like, nope, that's me more talking about myself. I'm just going to like validate and like keep it short. And, and then she actually got really upset at me and was like, I can't believe that's all that you said was just that you support me. She's like, if it was you, you would probably feel the same way. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like, I think that um, it's interesting because I think that sometimes if it is a short response, people, obviously it shows that I've given way too long of responses because <laughs> if it is a short response, it's like, wait, what are you holding back? Why aren't you? sharing type of thing so that was really interesting because I really thought I like I like worked on my response and tried to make sure it was empathetic and that it was like short and sweet and that I wasn't like talking about myself and bring it back but it backfired majorly on me and sort of I, wonder if it wasn't, I don't know if it was what you said was it how you said it what what happened I'm curious because this is me being like curious about that conversation because I'm like was it about how you said it was it that you didn't give enough validation or, or what happened there um i i honestly think that in this situation like this friend is used to me having more to say about something so i think that because it was short and concise she like felt hurt like she felt like i wasn't hearing her because I wasn't putting myself in her shoes. Interesting. Wow. And wow. I mean, I probably could have done better at explaining it, but I I, I really was like trying because yeah. I knew it was a, like a hot subject and I was like, okay. And then when I found out she was frustrated, I was like, well, didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, how interesting, wow. Um, see, because this is my my main takeaways from this experience are one that it's not it's not even healthy in my mind to just be a supportive just to be a supporter in early in a conversation. It's not even healthy. It's you have to be a shifter and a supporter in a relationship in a in a normal conversation because I have a few people in my life who are basically people I know nothing about, but they've been in my life my entire life. I know almost nothing about them. And the reason why is because they won't talk about themselves. And mm -hmm. I literally do not know them. And there's no vulnerability. And so there really isn't a connection. And it's something that's bothered me for years and years and years. It's bothered me. It bothers me today. The fact that I still don't know these people and it's because they will not be vulnerable and they will not open up. So I can't really have a relationship that I'd like to have with them because of that. So that's one thing. And another part of it is that I did find it also interesting that nobody got on Marco Polo this week because I was like, because part of what we do on Marco Polo, I'm going to just be completely real. We normally just like talk about something that we've observations of our lives. Some like, oh, hey, this is what I've been thinking about. I'm going to just dialogue or process this. And I think it was like, wait, if I'm doing that, then I'm like putting the attention on myself 
and not putting it on the other and then I'm going to have to like how am I going to support it so I feel like it it raised like a self-consciousness in the conversation and I don't think that supports conversation I don't think becoming self-conscious of how you perform as a as a as a like your performance uh just it created performance anxiety it was like wait how am I going to shift the response or should I get on here and talk about my life or not so I think that that isn't super supportive either um you don't want to be too much in your head when you are talking to someone you want to be listening and then validating and i actually think we do a really good job of that on our marco polo i feel like steph melody like you both are very good at validating my experience and so i i did notice that as well i noticed the observation that we didn't get on marco polo this week and i was like that's interesting um <clears throat> and so that's something I also made an observation about. And then when you talked about Steph, I mean, Melody, when you talked about um, kind of how your grandma and grandpa, how they make you feel so special because they do support the conversation and they are great supporters. Of course, we all wanna be supported in sharing our thoughts. And I have, I come from a family where I get supported a lot in my conversation. I feel like I just talk, 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 and they just listen to me. And I need to be better in that relationship of being more, um, supportive instead of shifting um, with my family specifically. But then um, the big thing with me, you guys, and I think the reason why I chose this challenge is it was for myself more than it was for like you two. I think this is more like a personal weakness, but just like I'm talking a lot on this particular episode, I also feel like I talk just, I tend to talk more. And so in my relationship with my spouse, I have to be more mindful of, um, can you yeah. hear that alarm? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, hopefully someone will get it soon. There we go. <laughs> anyway, I, um, but I think for my experience, it was just very interesting to recognize with David. Yesterday, we actually got into a type of, I would say we got into a, a conflict <laughs> over David feeling like I constantly shift the conversation to things that are outside of the conversation. So like we were walking down the street and I shifted the conversation to the beautiful flowers that were on the, that were growing. I was like, whoa, did you just see those like flowers just popped up? You know, like I was totally off and he was telling me this deep thought and I was like, did you just see the flowers? You know? So I learned that timing also matters about when you say things, you can still make observations, but then I got super mad at him because I was like, that was just a normal observation. This is just part of a normal conversation. People talk about the flowers. Like, you don't have to be mad that I wasn't completely enthralled because I, no I noticed the flowers. And he was like, no, this is like a systemic issue with you and I, right? Like, this is a problem that when I'm talking to you, you're not listening in like with real intent you're distracted. And I was like, shoot, it's true. Yeah. So um, I think that that is more of like, I, def I definitely didn't do a great job. I have like, like a systemic problem with it. Like it is a part of, I really have to figure out how to like be better at listening to my spouse. And so it's just an interesting thing. Yeah. I don't always like what he has to say, you guys. And if I don't like what he has to say, I get combative. And he's like, you just don't want to hear my opinion. And I was like, that's so true. I just don't want to hear your opinion because I don't like it. 
you know, it's really interesting, Tracy. I feel like I feel like we're in almost opposite situations in our relationships. I feel like I am David in your relationship and Jacob is you in, in a lot of ways. Um, Cause I feel like I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I'm just like interesting. Jacob and I actually had uh, a little, um, I know, maybe medium size argument this week um, over communication stuff. Cause I felt like he wasn't listening to me and it's just, I don't know. It's really interesting. I'm not totally sure where I'm going with that. I think there's, I need to do more thinking and processing around that, but it's just interesting. Oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, I think David would be like, don't tell people our problems. Like he's a lot more like guarded. And so people who listen to this, you get to know the inner workings (laughs) of the relationship. But, um, (laughs) but I feel like people, you know, I don't even know any, for me, I feel totally fine being like, this is what happened because the, the, the real problem in that conversation isn't it's me so like I think that I just recognize that like I recognize some things from that conversation that were painful it's like ouch I don't even want to hear his opinion on the issue because I don't like his opinion and I think that's also part of the problem we have with our society at large is that people were like oh yeah we should listen to each other and then when people start talking we're like oh shut up Like, we don't even want to hear what you have to say because we don't like it. It doesn't sound good to us, and it disrupts how we view the world. So then we're just like, no, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And I was like, whew, that's dangerous. That's so dangerous. We have to be willing to listen to each other. You know, it's interesting because the friend that I got in the dispute with, I did not agree with her opinion. (laughs) But I don't want to cause a fight. And so that's why I kept it. I tried to validate I kept it short, I kept it sweet, but I didn't have a way to relate because I knew it would just start a fight. And so I think that it's interesting hearing you guys talk about it. I was like, oh yeah, that's like, that was, so I probably didn't come off as agreeable on it because I didn't agree. But I think it's interesting if what you're saying of if we don't like people's opinions that we're like, ah, no, stop talking or... And I'm terrible at that on walks where I'm always pointing out houses and stuff. I feel like, like Melody, since we do the same trail every week, there's nothing new. So I'm not like, we've seen it all. Yeah. I'm not like, oh, look (laughs) at that, you know, so we can just talk. But new places, I'm like, oh, look at that house. Oh, look at that. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I went walking with a friend that did the same thing. And I was like, this is annoying. We're trying to have a conversation. There's a timing because there is a place to make observations, mm-hmm. but I think you need to gauge the quality of the conversation. Is right now an appropriate time for me to talk about the flowers when David is trying to like share something pretty serious with me about his opinion on something that he's very passionate about? Maybe not. Right. I think also goes to show like how important environment is in a conversation. Like if you are someone who is easily distracted by your surroundings, um, I think it's important for your spouse or friend to be aware of that. And maybe you communicate like communicate that. Like if, if you want to have a serious conversation, it's 
this, I'm, I'm really having a hard time focusing in this environment. Maybe we can have this conversation in the car or somewhere else. Um, I also wanted to comment on the opinion thing because that is what happened with me and Jacob too, is I was sharing my opinion and he wasn't validating me. And, and the fight was Jacob didn't agree with me. And that is, I just think that's so funny. That's so interesting. And I was, I was like, it doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. Like, I just want to be validated right now. I just want you to listen. And Jacob's like, well, I don't agree with what you're saying. So how do I validate you? Right. So that's really interesting. I want to dive into that a little bit more. And David and I even concluded, we're like, it would be really helpful for us to go see a therapist simply to like learn to, to have a third party tell us how to communicate better. Like teaching us in real time, like as the referee kind of of the conversation to like help us reprogram some things and sort of try to be like, hey, how do we um, engage in this conversation and like choose to listen? And I actually know like the talking stick thing does work where I'm like, I'm holding the stick. I'm holding the stick. I get to talk right now. You don't get to talk. I am holding the stick. Right. And then like (laughs) passing the stick and being like, all right, you have to summarize what I just said to my satisfaction. And if you don't, I get back the stick to clarify. And then I pass it, you continue to clarify what I said. And then you share your thoughts. Because what you wanted in that situation and what David wanted was to me for me to be like, oh, I hear you. Is this what you meant? I heard what this is what I heard. And then you say like, am I correct in this? And he's like, yes or no. And then expounds it. And then you just keep on doing that. And it's amazing. It works, you guys. It's it's phenomenal. But most of us don't have the discipline to do that. <laughs> and oh, that takes time. That takes a lot of time. And as you're saying that, I'm like, if I was angry with a person, I wouldn't be like, hold hold on a second. Like, here's let's go grab the talking stick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure, it's not natural. But like, I've done it. There's been times where Dave and I'm in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, sorry, we need the talking stick. Like, this is not going well. (laughs) Or we need something that we're passing so that we know it's our turn because we're interrupting each other. We're being rude. We're just getting more caustic, you know? So let's, let's not do that. Right. So anyway, sorry. And now I'm super self-conscious about anything I am saying on here (laughs) because Right. <laughs> would you say that in marriage communication is the hardest thing for my marriage? Yes. <clears throat> I would say so. I definitely would say so. Cause it's like, the, this is what I think is, so your first experience with like communication is with your family, right? But these are people who live in the same environment as you. They're growing up the same way that you grow, grew up. Um, it's like the same culture, right? And so you learn to communicate with your family. And then I personally never got like the roommate experience. So I don't know what, what's that like, what that is like, but then I got married and Jacob grew up in a completely different environment in a completely different culture. He was taught completely different things and his ways are not wrong. My ways are not wrong. We just do things different. And the hardest thing about that is just not understanding. Like there, I, when we fight, I just, I tell them all the time. I'm like, I just don't understand. I literally don't understand why you responded that way. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like I cannot wrap my head around it. And I think a big part of it 
of communicating with a spouse is realizing that you're not going to understand everything. There's some things you're just never going to understand. Don't even try, but you just need to realize that this is what he needs or this is how he's going to respond and just adapt because you know that, that, that that's what he needs, you know, um, and just trusting that that's how his brain works, even if it doesn't make any sense to me and, and vice versa. And, and just accepting that Jacob's not going to totally understand why I need this or why I'm responding the way I'm responding. And that's so frustrating because I want him to understand so bad, but I just need to accept that he probably won't understand. Um, but when he does make the effort to give me what I need or to respond in the way that I want him to respond, um, it means a lot because I know that he's doing it for me and, and he he's doing it even though he doesn't understand why he's doing it. So yeah, it's very hard. Yeah, I, I feel like for myself, like I can affirm that communication, like using the right communication, like the right tone, doing things in the right environment, like just knowing when, timing, all that has been a huge factor in my marriage in regards to that. I know people are like, oh, it's all about communication. And I'm like, actually, it kind of is. Like, I, I don't even like to like perpetuate that because I'm like, no, you just need to become a better communicator. But like, oftentimes like the misunderstandings come because you didn't hear each other. You, like didn't, you didn't get the right message from the Didn't situation. hear each other, you know, like really hear each other. I think that's what people crave is for people to like, maybe they heard the words, but did they really hear you? Like maybe I heard the words, but am I really listening? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the whole, like, when we want to be heard, most of us just want to be heard in like our situation. So we just need to be like, okay, like, thanks for sharing that with me. Do you want me to respond or do you want me to just listen? You know? And then like, and I think when they do that, it does help. But yeah, for myself, Steph, I guess to answer that question. Yeah. Like communication is something I need to work on in my marriage. Like definitely that's like where I need to work on it. And a lot of it has to do with like quality listening. So this book was really good for me because <laughs> I was like, wow, this is stuff I need to know um, for my own like intimate relationship. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, and I think there's so many tools out there. There's so many resources. Like I, I have a book that's amazing about communication in marriage. There are lots of resources. There's a, a Marie Forleo. She did an interview um, with, uh, like a couple. Anyway, I will drop that into the show notes. It's I can't remember the net, the title of it, but it's like this marriage advice can change your life or whatever. But or this relationship advice can change your life or whatever. And it it really is so good. There's some really good people. I think it's the Hendricks couple. Anyway, but they just did such a good job. So there are lots of ways that you can work on it. But it's just like realizing what you do. It's even hearing yourself. It's seeing yourself properly so that you can make adjustments. Because sometimes we don't even see ourselves. All right. So oh, Melody and Steph, let's report on our goals. Wait, was Melody trying to talk? Can you hear me? Oh, barely. Oh, something went weird. Hold on. Technical difficulties. Tracy, you're out for us. <laughs> she has the, the head bobbing. Head bobbing right now. I was actually, this weekend when I was in Austin, I was 
for sure singing about everything that we were doing on the on the water. Whenever I was on the, we were on the water kayaking, and I was singing about everything we were doing. I love it. it. Was not beautiful. I'll tell you how much. <laughs> All right, Melody, what were you going to say? Is that better? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I was just going to say, thank goodness for our spouses who like point those things out to us, right? We can always count on our spouses to point out our weaknesses and what we need to work on. <laughs> okay, guys. So nobody be just don't don't be like completely down and out because of our marriage, my marriage experience, but I think it's so good. Like those things are so important because they just help me become aware, right? But I think it's very relatable. Like it's very rare that you hear someone that's like, everything is right. It doesn't matter if you're married, single, (laughs) have kids or don't. Like there's always the struggles, so. Yeah. And people have them with different people in their lives. Yeah. Relationships differ. Like I've noticed that people, they have challenges with relationships. It just depends on which one. Mm -hmm. Like all of them are very different in how like some of them are easier than others. And that's just the nature of it for all people. Some people have like the most glorious marriages and sometimes they have a really hard time with one of their children or with um, their own parents or with their mother-in-law or their father-in-law or with their you know, there's somebody out there that's kind of a challenge for them. And God does, does that on purpose, right? He helps us to grow through each other. So, <laughs> um, all right. So regarding our goals. So moving forward for this week, um, I would love to hear if you'd like to on this part, just telling us like something that went well from last week on your goals and then something moving forward. So this past week's invitation, I mean, mine was Steph, you did maintaining your habits and fire, your fun fire and your personal and audio fire. And then Melody, it was exploring and self-discovery. So just as a reminder, if you forgot. Thank you. Uh, Who are you wanting to go? I don't care. I love, I love finery. <laughs> it's like funny because we're all looking at each other but with the audio. It just sounds like we're awkward silence. <laughs> well, I can start. Um, okay. So I didn't do anything on my phone fire, but I am excited because I got a life jacket. Well, actually I did. I prepared for my fun. I got a life jacket and then, so I love paddleboarding and my parents gave me a paddleboard for Christmas and I'm so excited for it. But one thing that I don't love about paddleboarding, especially blow up paddleboarding is how, how long it takes. So I found the best reviewed like pump that you can just take down to the beach. And I am like so excited for it. So um those should be coming later this week and then i just want to go down to the lake and paddleboard so that's something that i just absolutely love oh that's so exciting so that's so fun yeah it's just such a fun human (laughs) well i really like paddleboarding makes me so happy and uh, and i was like okay here's the thing like there's two things that are preventing me from going right now. Like, I mean, the paddleboard had a handheld thing, handheld pump, but I just knew I wouldn't get out there as fast as if I had like a battery powered one that like blew it up fast. So, um, and then my 
um, audio for my personal. I think I might just scrap some of them and start over. Um, there's a few that like I've recently recorded that I want to just get out, but obviously there's like this barrier for me posting some of these episodes. So I think that's just what I want to do. Good job. So it like, like, Hey, these things are not happening and they're not going to happen. Let it go. <laughs> and it's okay that there's some episodes that didn't jive with me, but if it's taken me two years to put it up, obviously I don't really want to put that out there. And, but there's been ones that were two years ago that I'm excited to put out, but it's like, I feel like this one needs to go before. Like there's this one episode that's my roadblock. So. Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> And do you want to just drop it for going forward? Or did you want to say something, Melody? Well, I was just saying stuff like way to drop it. I think that's a really hard thing to do. It's like this thing where it's like, oh, but it has to be this way. Like getting right. over that realizing, no, it doesn't have to be this way. I can literally just not do that thing. Yeah. I think that's a huge success. Yeah. So I think that it will be um, good. And for my fun fire, I'm hosting um someone bought at like this service auction a murder mystery dinner for me from december so i'm hosting that this weekend so i always love murder mystery dinners so that will be a lot of fun and then my goals for this week um i have my mileage goal that melody gave me that i'm going to complete and then i want to go running um the top part of mill creek canyon just because i want to get in the mountains so um that's really my big um thing and then i think i just want to delete the episodes that i don't want to to post <laughs> delete my roadblock episodes that's awesome and you know i, I think get. the reason that like there's these two episodes that are roadblocks is because it, it's not true to what i actually want to put out there um and like just the person went off on some stuff that was a little racist and a little, and I just haven't known how to do it and deal with it. But, um, and I was going to just edit it all out, but I'm like, you know what? I just think that I don't want to post it and that's okay. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's your podcast, right? You can yeah. use, you can do whatever you want with it. So. Melody, you up or you ready? Yeah. Um, so my goal was self-discovery this week and I've been trying to decide if I want to share this or not. Obviously there's been like, I've been struggling with some stuff and I have not known how to talk about it. I'm still, this is all still really fresh. It's still really new and I'm still learning how to talk about it. Um, but I, I think I feel comfortable sharing this. I'm actually really, really excited about this. Um, I So last year, I was unofficially diagnosed as ADHD. Um, and I actually took like a formal diagnosis, or I, I did a formal assessment this week, and was formally officially diagnosed um, ADHD combined type. And it just feels really, really <clears throat> relieving and um, good and exciting to have like an official 
official diagnosis um, just because it makes me feel like I'm not crazy and it um, it is going to allow me to get some of the help that I need in the diagnosis and this this is the part I'm like trying to decide if I if I want to share or not this this is a really like I said I don't I'm still learning how to talk about this still trying to figure out how I feel about it all um, I haven't even talked to like close friends and family about it um, but um, in the diagnosis it's um, mentioned a lot of core morbidities so there's more to it than just ADHD. So I'm um, getting another formal assessment this week to explore some other like anxiety and mood disorders. And um, to be honest, I'm really excited about it. I feel like I finally am like on a path that or on the path that I need to be on. And I feel like I feel like there's hope and I feel like I'm I'm getting answers and I'm figuring things out and it's it's really really exciting like I haven't felt this excited and this hopeful in a really long time and I just have dealt with some things my entire life that I just um, I've never believed I was ever going to be able to conquer them or, or get better and that I was just gonna have to deal with these hard things the rest of my life and I finally feeling like maybe I actually can do something about these things and I don't have to live my entire life feeling these terrible feelings. So that was my self-discovery this week. And like I said, I'm still trying to process it all. Um, there's a lot of feelings and a, a lot of thoughts that I'm trying to sort through. Um, but overall, I think I'm on a good path and I'm excited that I'm headed towards healing. So that is huge. How exciting, Melody. I'm super, I was very vulnerable. I appreciate you being willing to share the diagnoses and that you've been, um, that I don't know what it means by combined type. I'm a little bit curious about that. Um, I don't know what that means. Yeah. So combined type, there's two kinds of ADHD. There's um, the hyperactivity ADHD, then there's the inattention ADHD. And I have both. So I have a hard time paying attention and I'm also very hyperactive. Interesting. Wow. You know what I find fascinating is I feel like this year you really have tried to figure out what works best for you and how you have your schedule and how you have different things every day to keep you like not bored with things and um, and so like hearing about like the attention and the hyperactive, like I feel like you are thriving with everything that you're able to get done when you sort of have like these two things where it's like, don't sit down, don't focus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, right. I think like, but just seeing how you've discovered a lot about yourself as you've been really trying to be like, okay, you know what, lists don't work for me. I need to schedule this way or I'm overscheduling myself or whatever. But now that you have the diagnosis, it's like you, they'll be able to know how to really help you specifically. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for for saying that. But yeah, I, I am excited to work with people who like specialize in ADHD, who, who really understand and um, it has been hard because I just have felt 
stupid. Like, what's wrong with me? Why? Like, here's all these, you know, all these books and things that tell you like how to stay organized and how to manage your schedule and how to do these things. And, and I've tried everything, right? Everything from planners to lists to different um, uh, calendars, different apps, like so many different things. And none of it has worked. Um, and I just have realized like things that work for most people don't work for me. I have to come up with my own system. So I'm just excited to yeah work with people who understand that and who can help me come up with a system that will work a little bit better for my brain. So that's awesome. Super great. That's, it feels like it's an empowering thing. And that's, that's what we want to do for each other is feel like the diagnosis is not something that disables or like, or that like limits you. I don't mean disables, but like the like limits mm -hmm. you. Right. But that it's something that is like, Oh, now somebody, I can actually work with people who know how to help people that have my specific like diagnoses. Yeah. And that was one reason I hesitated to get it for a long time because I was like, no, like, I don't want that label. I don't want that to define me. Like I mean, no matter what, and I, you know, I'll figure it out, but it just got to a point where I'm like, I, I actually need help. I can't do it on my own. And in order to get the help that I need, it's um, having, you know, the label, having the diagnosis is a necessary thing. And it, it really has been empowering and honestly, really relieving really relieving so awesome it's so awesome thanks for sharing that melody um and then for your do you have any goals this next week are you what's your plan going forward yeah so my goal for this week is to say no to anything new i have a full schedule um i i'm also purposely trying to keep my schedule lighter uh, than I usually do, just to give myself time to heal and process. And um, so I'm, I want to say no to any new commitments or things. I'm just trying to keep my schedule light and keep, I want to hang on, keep my boundaries solid this week and not just impulsively say yes to everything. So that's my goal this week. Good goal. Awesome. Hey, want to go to the mall? <laughs> 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 ha ha. <laughs> so, Melody, you want to go climb that mountain over there? <laughs> you guys are so mean. <laughs> <laughs> Way to stay strong. Way to stay strong. Thank uh, you. Things you can't resist, you know? Like, Sorry, Melody, we're going to go climb this mountain. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, so for myself, uh, I am going to, so I'm laughing because here it says like a uh, professional goal and reading every day, every night. I did not do that. I don't think I did it even once. Maybe once I read. Uh, clearly I forgot about that goal kind of. I think it just did not get onto my trajectory like, oh, I'm reading every night or um, yeah, I didn't do that. So I... Uh, yeah, it's funny to me. And then the professional goal, I just feel like I, the professional goal, didn't do that either. Didn't really like, didn't, I think I've been thinking a lot in my head and that's not always very good. I think sometimes you gotta execute, you gotta do things. I did start looking at some jobs. I looked at a job um, actually and 
I looked into some things just because I'm trying to figure out if I need the structure. Like I just need the structure of having a job. And yet at the same time, I don't know, just trying to figure out how to manage and be like, is this what I want to do? So too much in my head. I just need to take, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to, to sort of recognize that professionally speaking, that's the question right now. I'm just being like, I, so my friend told me about a job that was posted and it was a teaching position, but the thing that I was concerned about regarding teaching, it kind of takes care of. And so I was like, well, maybe I would apply for that job. And there was a part-time job, but it was only four to eight hours. And I was like, four to eight hours? Like, is that worth it to me? Because I know I'll be putting in way more time than that. And then I'll, I'll get paid, what, an hourly wage? And how much are they going to pay me? $25 an hour for like a lot of work? Is that, I don't know, it just kind of doesn't make sense to me to be an hourly wage teacher. That just doesn't make sense. But so that was like what made me stop. And then I looked at there were some full-time positions at this school. And so it would be interesting to try to like teach those. And yet it's like, do I want to do that? I don't know. It's just like, ah, uh, so there have been different times where I've been like, no, I'm not going back to teaching. And then like, I go back to teaching and it's, it's a real, and then it's like, wait, do I, and even with coaching, with coaching people, it's like coaching is a coaching is like a revolving door, right? Like you come in, you, you, sometimes you need a coach, sometimes you don't, right? Like in life, you just it's it's like it's it's cyclical. Sometimes the the coach isn't the right person for you. You need a different person with a different expertise level or whatever. And so, just like recognizing it's like a revolving door, and that the coaching process is just like. You want people to come in, you want to give them something, and then you kind of want them to leave. Like they get to go do their thing. Like you're, you're giving people the power to like move forward or maybe get over something that they need to coaching with. Um, but, a, but coaching in and of itself is, is kind of like, a, it's very cyclical. Like things are, I mean, it's not cyclical, but it's like people are moving in and out all the time yeah. of, of being coached. And so <clears throat> people that I have coached is just like, it comes and goes like, and that's how it should be. I don't, I don't feel like it, it, it just, that's part of the nature of it. And that's the goal. The goal is to give people things that they didn't have and then like help them move forward. And if they need to come back, they can come back and talk to you. But like your goal isn't to like keep them coming every week so much as it is to like help them move forward on their goals. And if they need that support, then it's good to have the weekly sessions, but just sort of figuring out what do people really need with coaching and so my event is coming up and that's in the next like week in two weeks. So I'm just going to focus on that. That's my goal. That's awesome. Chase, have you thought of, cause I was talking to Melody about this. I think like the best thing that happened for me of starting the podcast was I had a job that didn't drain me. Like doing that receptioning job. We got like probably like 10 phone calls an hour. No one ever came in. It, it created a time for me to like dream. I was super excited to go edit like on lunch and when I was on tracks and stuff. And so like, does teaching drain you? So yes and no, because mm -hmm. I would say like, yeah, that's a great question to ask me, but I would say the things that trained, that, that drained me the most actually ended up being emotion, like the emotional and the the social aspect of my career mm. so it was dealing with kids problems and 
dealing with how they responded in my classroom as a result of those things. That makes sense. How they affected all the other students in my classroom because of those things. And then dealing with um, other people in the profession. That was the biggest challenge. I see. And so I think that that's what, and even like education, I do enjoy I enjoy the relationships though. Like that's my favorite part of education is like the building those relationships with those kids. That's my favorite part. But I definitely, I don't know if I was actually like a very good teacher, right? So like, I don't have a ton of confidence as a teacher. Cause I was just like, okay, but not like the best. And so I think that there's just those kind of feelings as well. It's like, why would I go back to do something that I'm not even that good at? but that I can do. I don't know. That makes sense. So anyway, all right guys. Well, I'm glad that we, we talked about that. And of course, thanks so much for everyone's contributions today. And I am excited for uh, everyone here to like, we invite you to just become aware. It's not, it's not like a either or or it's a both and. So become aware of both how you're shifting and how you're supporting the conversation in the week ahead. Notice how, you know, when is it appropriate to say something? Just becoming aware of how you interact in a conversation and becoming more awakened because that's our goal is to become more awakened souls who know ourselves better and know how we interact in the world in a better and more lovely and supportive way. All right, guys. Toodles and have a great week. Bye. Bye.